0: Hello, I'm Stu Rolls, and welcome back to another episode of the Back in the Band podcast, the show where we remember a simpler time in our lives when music and being in a band back in our youth meant we could actually dream of one day living the life of a rock and roll star. For today's episode, we'll be going back to a time when you could get away with having a mullet if you were in a band. Could you? Probably, probably not. We'll also be chatting about gigs around the back of a church, practicing in the loft, and Mike Oldfield's massive bell. Before we do, though, time to bring in my co-host for the day, a man once referred to as King Kong on Acid, playing the drums by the prestigious Luton at Large magazine in 2002, which would actually be impressive if it wasn't someone we knew writing the review. It's the one, the only, John Phillips.
1: (laughs) Very good. Like it.
0: Hello, John. Good to have you back again, mate. Do you remember that gig review? How amazing was it to be reviewed back in
1: the day? I certainly do. But first, I just want to give a shout out to mullets, because mullets are a big thing now, mate. They're back in. I don't know if you know. I, I wouldn't as a 37-year-old, no. No, 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 they are. They're, they're everywhere. I don't know if you saw the Rugby World Cup, but oh, a load of them had mullets, so Oh man. you have yeah. been well in. Mullets um, with a uh,
0: pink under, underlay is probably not there. <laughs> Still not for fashion, is it?
1: There you go. Never. Never, mm. but no, yeah, it was great being reviewed. I mean, that magazine was available in cineworld wasn't it? Yes. Oh it wow! There? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just like
0: right. We're famous because we're in cineworld Exactly.
1: Yeah. No, it was great. What, what was it called? What was it called? Lunar large It was Lunar large There
0: was a gig that we did at Red Red Red, from it memory. Was. Yep. And there were some pretty terrible pictures, full size actually. I think thinking back, but um. Yeah, what a privilege. And also, we had a review, or a couple of reviews, one on um, BedfordMetal.tk.
1: Keith. For, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that that was kind of positive, but kind of not at the same time. And then, they, of course, it was juxtaposed because we were playing next to the uh, wonderful Fell Silence straight yeah, after, so silent. you can only have so many good words versus, versus that. But, um, yeah, I remember, like, suddenly if you were getting some journalistic... Response to what we were doing. It felt like you were vindicated in all the effort.
1: It was another step on the way, wasn't it? Another step on the way to making it. <laughs> yeah, we definitely
0: made it. So, in a world where we no longer use Dreamweaver to build our band website that no one looks at in the first place, let's get to it. Today's guest is Dan Short. Dan and I both went to the same Luton Sixth Form College, albeit with four years between us. Our music tech teacher, Ross Purvis, or Purvs as we like to call him, would always remind of us how alike we were in our passion for music. Not sure who was trying to piss off with that comment, but it brought us together nonetheless. Dan and his band in college, At A Glance, were one of the first bands I ever demoed in my mum and dad's shed in 2009, I think it was. And for that faith he put in me, I'll always be grateful. As well as misplacing that faith in me several times more as a producer in the following years with Tonight We're Electric and his solo work... We also produced the Band's Care Project in 2010. We brought together what was probably about 20 local artists, including Don Broco, to record a charity version of Do They Know It's Christmas and made appearances on BBC Three Counties radio that my granddad listened to whilst having a shave at eight in the morning. I had highlights in my hair then and shamelessly still have highlights in my hair now. But enough about me, though. Dan, thanks for being on the show, mate.
2: You are very welcome and thanks for that wonderful intro that you only done in one take. I loved it. <laughs>
0: Let's start off with you telling us about the sort of posters that you used to put up in your bedroom walls, if any. Was it sweaty men with gothy t-shirts or was it some hot chicks?
2: It's a, a sad mix, a very sad mix. I had a lot of metal posters. I had stickers more than anything from local gigs. You know, when everyone used to have stickers, hundreds of them, and they'd just be flogging them at the end of gigs. So I used to have a load of stickers and I remember my dad getting really pissed off because I stuck them like next to my bed. I was lying, and it was just like a wooden painted bit. And I tried to rip the stickers off, and obviously the paint come off with it. So yeah, he's not very happy.
1: Yeah, but it looked good, there, didn't it?
2: Who were the, who were the local bands? John, this is over ten, fifteen years ago, mate. I would have had Siren Lake, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I would have had. That's shoes band. <laughs> so they
0: weren't good enough for stickers, were we, mate? That was a thing. So. Speaking of lots of different bands, I want to take it right back. I know you're in loads of bands over the years, man, but let's let's go back to when you were in school and you told us about your first band overall effect, right? Tell us about that. Bloody hell.
2: So you guys obviously know Sum 41. We were like if Sum 41 dropped a set off the back of the bus, a written set of standard (laughs) notation. And it like rolled down the road, got wet, soggy, and we found the pieces and tried to write some songs out of it. It was like, that was our main influence, Sun 41, Hell Song, that sort of vibes. And how old were you with overall effects? I was about 13, 14. So I just started playing drums in school and they said, hey, this guy can play drums, let's get him round. And it was just schoolmates, that was it. So it it was perfect. And we had this really piss about time where we'd go to either a garage. We never practiced in like a rehearsal space, ever. We practiced in uh, Luke, the guitarist's loft. So, Brilliant. I remember we used to just finish school and go to his house, basically drop our bags at the door, run upstairs, and just shout to his mum, like Kevin in peril, like, morning, Miss Patterson. <laughs> you know, Evening, Miss Patterson, keep running past. You just stamp up the stairs, and you'd have to punch on the loft. Because the reason we had to punch on the loft was because we put a mattress over it to keep the sound in. Yeah, I was going to say, you... Did you have like a troll in there that let you in or something? Yeah, well, Luke would just be up there. He was a very angry guy. He'll know. And we'd just be like punching the loft and be like, let us in. What we practiced already. And we just used to write songs in there. It's a very wholesome time in my life. But some of our songs were like, see ya in hell, not see you in hell. So that's C-Y-A in hell. And just that we played that in a church and thought we were so rock and roll. (laughs) <laughs> like, so how did that band
0: start? So you're saying it was just a bunch of mates Did you start that or were you No, I wasn't even
2: a musician really at that point I didn't know my times tables at that point I started doing drum lessons at school Pestered my parents to do it I'd actually had quite a bit of music experience Like at home I had this little Yamaha DJI I think it's called a DJI or DJX2 Which just meant that I could play loops and chords and stuff like that And I spent Honestly, it's the most fascinating thing I've ever seen You have to look it up at some point. It had like little inbuilt speakers. But anyway, so I'd been playing that. I slowly transitioned into drums. And yeah, I I started playing drums at school and they just walked past and it was like the shot where they double take in the room and say, who's that kid? They could just see like my long ginger hair flapping about playing drums. (laughs) Because honestly, once I got the the kind of itch for playing drums, I would sit in the drum room in break time, lunchtime, after school and just play all the time. Because who else gets a chance to play drums like that?
1: That's like me, man. That's what I did when I was at school. Like Every break, every lunch, just be in there practicing. It was well good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And now I I can't find the time to practice at all. It's embarrassing. It was like that kind of classic moment where they looked through the window and was like, it wasn't even like, do you want to be in a band? They're like, you're in our band. And I was just like, cool. (laughs) And they were like, this is where we rehearse. See you there. And I was just like, I went home, told my parents, I was like, I'm in a band. And they were like, what are you doing? And I was just like, I don't know. Like. What do you mean? What am I doing? I'm in a band now. Like you can't said to my mum, you can't speak to me like that now. I'm in a band. <laughs> <laughs> said rock and roll and then started putting some eyeliner on, some nail varnish and ran out the house. That's it. Because you sent us a photo in the WhatsApp
0: group chat before. Were they a couple of years above or were you just really under the band? <laughs> <laughs>
2: they, they, they are older than me. But, but I looked like that until I was probably about 25, to be honest. You've seen me. <laughs> <laughs> that picture's the the absolute worst. And I had to ask my you, dad for it. So he yeah. just, he dug that out and thought, Jesus Christ,
0: that's my son. So Yeah, good times though. <laughs> Did you, Jesus. oh shit, what was I going to say? So you were saying about you wrote some songs. Was that, were you writing stuff from the start? Or was that, you were covering some 41 or what? Do you remember the first song
1: you guys played?
2: We co- Music by Numbers, yeah? Yeah, we covered... <laughs> And this is going to sound ridiculous now that I say it out loud, but I know we covered the Hell song because obviously Sum 41, big influences yep. of ours. We covered Green Day. We covered Blink 182. And this is when I thought, actually, I could probably do the drums because we, we covered First Date. And I watched that drum fill at the start, which is like iconic. And I must have watched it on. At the time, it would have been the box or whatever. And I just watched it hundreds and hundreds of times until I could play it. And then we went to the, the gig and then I'd screw it up, whatever. But we covered Rape Me. Oh, v- v- Nirvana. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, can't just do teen spirit. Yeah, you exactly. Go yeah, that's, that. that's expected. You've got to be out the box. Did you play that song at school? No, no, no. We weren't allowed to play at the school. So a teacher heard us rehearsing once or heard us talking and was like, you guys are in a band. My son puts on festivals. And we thought, this is it. We're going to be at Glastonbury in 2004 or something like that. But we ended up at a church in Leegrave, the St. Luke's Church. Then there was that was a regular thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was like, it was either weekly or monthly, but we got the headline slot a couple of times because being that good. Or it was like a little. It was like <laughs> it wasn't the church itself. It was a little building off the back of
0: it, wasn't there? Yeah, like, it was a nice little hut right the back. There.
2: And I always remember playing there because it was like <laughs> the experience was that you'd have the audience in there. There was a really sick, like actual green room. Like it was probably the biggest green room I've ever had. We'd go into that venue, and there would be like chairs set up and like a security barrier to stop the fans from getting to the front fans sorry we should rephrase that one yeah yeah stop the what do you want me to call them the,
0: the, the patrons <laughs> 13 year old girls who've got nothing yeah. else to do mate i'm not sure you want fans
2: <laughs> well yeah yeah i wouldn't have been a fan of our music to be fair but there was a lot of people there a lot of school friends and stuff like that would come and see us yep. what i remember being cringe about those gigs is as funny as they were we we took it so seriously Costed. Like Wait it was a it. big thing for us where we'd be stressing about it all week. We'd rip apart the sets three or four times, rehearse the day before, try and leave school earlier on the Friday so we could get to our gig. <laughs> you know, sorry, we got to go. I don't want to learn maths. I want to learn rocking out and stuff. Did they actually let
0: you? Because the amount of stuff that we got away with when we asked, well, yeah, but we're in the band, we need to focus. And they actually let us.
1: It was mad. No, but did they? I, uh, Doesn't sound like Leland's fell for that. I love how you call it the band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's got that status. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I know, we're in the band.
2: Not a band, the band. We're in the band. We were the only band in the school that was out there rocking it, do you know what I mean? So we, yeah, we never used to get a pass for anything. And actually, one of our teachers, her brother was in 100 Reasons. So I used to get some drumsticks sometimes and stuff like that. She was was wicked. So she was always really cool with it. She was basically like, do your homework, keep drumming. If my brother's got any free stuff, there you go, mate.
0: Do you think apart from... Looking like the kid out of Malcolm in the middle. Do you think that helps your <laughs> song?
2: <laughs> What's his name? Dewey? You think... <laughs> <laughs> the young one? Is, it, is that <laughs> what I'm thinking about?
0: Do you think being in overall effect at school helped you? But then if you weren't playing gigs or rehearsing at school, that might not have helped. Didn't help much me right? in school.
2: But those were some of my most formative years for dealing with two things, which is band politics and musicianship. Like I still play in a band to this day with the guitarist from that band. We're really close. We do covers together and it's, it's still, we still have as much fun as we did back then. But the politics back in the day, like we must have replaced singers every now and then because we were just, we were arguing about something that was the biggest thing at the moment. That's, Go on,
0: give us some stories.
2: I remember we would just come in and someone would have had an argument with someone, but instead of being like, look guys, we need to sort this out, it would just be like, you're out of the band. And that's it. It's the last time we saw him. Other than at school on the Threaten Monday, them. that's it. <laughs> You'd walk in and they'd be sat next to you in maths. <laughs> you'd be like how's things since you got kicked out the band
1: <laughs> yeah can't have a row but just kick yeah, them out.
2: that was it people got kicked out left right and center i remember people would just move around on instruments i stayed firmly on drums because it was my passion but yeah luke was originally the bassist and lead singer and when i asked him about it i was like you're not really like a great singer why were you ever the lead vocalist and he was just like well you guys wouldn't do it you couldn't sing he couldn't sing so I thought, <laughs> I'll give it a go. He said, i I got nothing to worry about.
0: Does that sound familiar, John?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exhibit A over here. <laughs> Aren't you a bit of a multi instrumentalist, Dan, though? Yeah, can but that pay? happened later in life. I had no confidence right, okay. to do it, so. I think some t- at some point you just decide that you can sing and you believe it, and then that's when you become a singer. Like, you might be able to pitch something, but if you don't have the the guts to just be like, I am a singer and I will sing this part. And that's the kind of thing. I obviously could, quote-unquote, sing back then, but... I just never had given it a shot. And likewise with yeah. piano and stuff like that. I can play piano, but if somebody was like, are you a pianist? I'd be like, no, nah. like drummer form, first and foremost and, and model second, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny about that? It's so it's to yourself down, mate. <laughs> John, just
0: thinking gear-wise, you've definitely got drum questions, haven't you? Go on. Yeah, what?
1: What? Vic Firth sticks? What were you? I didn't know
2: there was any other sticks yeah, at the Vic time. Vic Firth sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I started Zildjian Oof. sticks or Evans Heads. Evans. Evans, yeah, I literally haven't. I've got my old snare downstairs because I've been asked to fill in for a band on Friday. I dug out my old snare, which I haven't got rid of yet, and I had to replace the skin Evans. So, and I replaced it with Evans. (laughs) So, I don't think it's out of choice though. No, just just habit, absolutely.
1: Yeah, what about thimbles, Zildjian or Sabian?
2: I pissed about with both back in like the kind of screamo days and like the rock stuff, Sabian just seemed to be more aggressive more piercing yeah. more frustrating to hear and stand next to on stage yeah. uh, Did
1: you take your cues from any pro drummers in bands that you like? did you sort of follow that and think right okay they play Sabian or they play Mapex or DW or whatever
2: No so I tried to make my own cymbals at some point and I'm not talking like I tried to go into a factory and make it so it sounds more impressive when I say it like that like I just woke <laughs> up and thought you know what? I'll make my own I've got folded metal in the garage and yeah. just kept
0: liquid metal hand hammers and yeah. brass
2: but no, like I, I had an old symbol that I started off with. Obviously, the really cheap symbols, but you don't know what's cheap and what's crap. Mm-hmm. Like there were non-brand symbols that you get like with your first drum kit, yeah, and yeah. you know they're cheap because you start hitting them and it's like hitting a coke can, and it just starts bending at some point, and you're like, hang on, that symbol's inside out and cracked and stuff. So yeah, we used to just try and get like molds and try and mold them into smaller symbols or cut them because there was mm-hmm. you know little pieces of crap. But I used to. Try all sorts. I got an old alarm bell from site where my dad worked. We built a little clutch for it and thought, let's try and make this bell work. love that, man.
0: Well, honestly, what is it with splash cymbals? Like, fucking only yeah, drummers no, love care to, for love splash, splash cymbals. <laughs> <laughs> like, boners you
1: guys get over splash cymbals. They turn up and like,
0: look at this little baby cymbal. It's so cute. It's like, you ain't going to fucking use that. It's like not like
1: your ride or your crash or your hats. It's a bit bit exotic, isn't it? Exotic is a good word for it. That gear then... Dan, did you ever take any of it into the studio
2: with overall effect, or did it was out later? we done some home recordings in the garage that I don't have. We had a song called "Brink of Destruction," so keep your eyes peeled for that, that might be on the radio in the next couple of years. Cool. The first kit I ever had was those flats kits, which were like kits with no shells, yeah, because they were super cheap. Yeah, super easy you could basically put it into a rucksack if you wanted do you know what I mean um, take that along to a gig with you but they were so hard to play because you get none of the like natural no feedback yeah and I do attribute that to being like the way I was on drums because I played that kit for like two years and when I got on a real kit again I was like hang on this is easy it's like playing on rubber pads for a year and then you move to a real kit and you're like I've got all this frequency response and all of this bounce yeah. back that just makes it so much easier
0: there's a lot to be said for having or, or learning on crapper stuff, cheaper stuff, because you make those mistakes and you get to maximise that as much as possible until you can move up and say, right, I now have access to the next level or something even better. Completely. 100%. You've only got to look at, and I'm going very philosophical at this point, but the Beatles had four tracks, man, and like their yeah. creativity to be able to do what they did and get everything on those recordings with that mm. limited capacity is just they wouldn't have had that if they oh if they had the world at their fingertips they probably wouldn't have done it in the same way and i think about the studio gear that we had and some of the crap that i used and made it sound even worse but <laughs> like, I, I learned on those and, the, and when i then finally write, i can afford to buy something for 300 quid instead of 100 you really notice a difference because you'd learn on the crap stuff and there's a lot to be said for
1: that i think it's really interesting what you said though about your natural curiosity and wanting to be alarmed from your old man's work, yeah. Just thinking, switching on like, oh, I want to use that and see how I can use that within an, within my band. That that's, that isn't something that would occur to a lot of people to do. Mm.
2: I just loved music and I loved the whole yeah. idea of being unique. I know we were playing covers and stuff like that, but like I I knew I wanted to have red drumsticks at some point, so I could be like, that's my thing. That's yeah. my thing. I'm I'm the guy with red drumsticks. Because I was a, you know, as you, you know, you've seen the photo, I was a small kid. You got to have something to let you stand out. And like being a good drummer is one thing, being an all right drummer, but then having something that people can look to you for and be like, I remember that guy. We played a gig with August Burns Red once, which is like a sick metal band. And I saw the guy playing drums, and he was one of my favorite drummers to watch. He wore no shoes and socks. And I just thought, well, that's my thing now. I'm going to go on stage, take my shoes and socks off. But he made it look cool. And then I had to, go up on stage and look like I was just getting you ready just for look bed. like
0: Mowgli out of Jungle yeah, Book. Yeah, exactly.
2: hair, like. <laughs> <laughs> my floppy hair just taking my shoes and socks off. <laughs> and they're all like, this guy's ready <laughs> for bed. <Like. laughs>
0: so you must have had some low points before we get to the high points. What Give us some examples if you've got notes of those.
2: I can't list the low points. Honestly, it was the most carefree time in my life. I don't consider any of them low points now. There was obviously the times where we were arguing as bands and arguing over set lists and stuff like that, but it's hard to look back and define them as low at the moment because I'm looking back on it with rose-tinted glasses, like the nostalgia. If I could do it all again, I I definitely would. Playing in St. Luke's in these sweaty halls where the PA would sometimes cut out is character building. So tell us about your entrance to shows. How did that go? Now this is going back some time. And I know this because I... Had to do some research and watch one of the old videos on VHS. So we would go out, the, the side of the stage had some stairs going up, so we'd wait in the stairwell and kind of hype each other up, just talking, we're going to smash this, we're ready. And then the guitarist would go out, <laughs> would pick up his guitar and start playing a riff, standard drop D, zero eight kind of riff. I would come out, start smashing the drums, screaming at the audience, do a bit of a mini drum fill. So there's a video of this, just to be clear. Yeah. yeah, okay, moving yeah. on. Yeah, moving on swiftly. There is one. There is, and it's so bad. Um, oh, I want to see it so bad. I'm blushing. I'm just sweating at the thought of that being anywhere else other than my Dropbox. <laughs> so you've shouted at the yeah. crowd, come on, you yeah. motherfuckers. <laughs> right, next. Then what happens? <laughs> then the bassist come out and shouted, come on! And then, <laughs> but the thing is, it's probably the biggest crowd response I've ever had <laughs> in all my years of yeah. the music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and that's why we look back at it with such fondness. Did you ever think with that band, you were like, yeah, we're actually going to be famous? Was that the hope or was it like, this is just what it is? I
2: remember at the time we wrote a song called Sit and Wait, which was just an acoustic song, really simple, CG, whatever, AC, nice little chord structure acoustically. And when we first heard it, I remember like I could have almost dropped my drink on the floor and just been like, whoa, you wrote this remember that being the response like this is your song you haven't stolen this from someone and it was Amar I think that come up with the riff and stuff and we were just like this is it we've made it we need to get this recorded and then we recorded it for but like, we did distribute it to a couple of schoolmates and stuff and they did love it but I don't know if I ever thought this is you know we we're gonna make it let's go back to that concert
0: so after the high of blowing the crowd away at <laughs> St Luke's church was there any highs after that or did you just go tits up uh,
2: I, I was in multiple bands after that point. Um, for for overall effect, it was over. It was over at that point. We'd peaked. We knew it as well. Did you officially split up, or was there a bit of a, like an organic, like
0: you know? We can't remember.
2: Guy? We can't remember. We. It, I think we all <laughs> blocked it out. It must have been so traumatic that we decided never to talk about it again. I think it, that was it. We just stopped making music. But there must have been other gigs after the big hit that was the St. Luke's. Of course, gig. like every. Like every first band or every early years band, there was the garden parties, there was the family parties, there was the, the social club gigs. And you must have all experienced those performing to your, your loved ones whilst they look on in horror.
0: Yeah, and we have done it. And I always look at it and I think from the perspective of the person who's asking these bands to play at their house, like, are yeah. you fucking stupid? Yeah. I, I would never invite someone to... Oh, guys, can you can you bring your band to my house? It's my 16th birthday party. I just want to piss my neighbours and my mum and dad off. Can you come we around? We played at
2: my yeah. own family's house. Invited by my parents. Brilliant. But your your family's pretty musical though, right? Well, they weren't really that musical at the time. My okay. dad's recently... I say recently, like over the last couple of years. Probably 10 or so years. He's always had a, a love for music. He's always slapping the bass Isn't now. Yeah, slapping the bass. Slapping the bass. But <laughs> it's slapping like a weird, beer, awkward man. thing because... I can't explain this feeling to anyone because you almost want to retain this kind of elevated rock star image, but Mm. you can't. It's your family. So you don't have a back room. It's your bedroom. Do you know what I mean? It's all you're hiding in a shed at your house, just waiting for your set time. It's like, I'm going to go stand over there now, but I'm going to hold a guitar now. Yeah, just (laughs)
1: circulate
2: amongst everyone all the time. Mum, can I have a beer? No. (laughs) No, you're too young. I've just played a gig. Like, what else are we going to get paid? (laughs) (laughs) You can have a WKD and get out. Yeah.
0: They're good. They're good fun. But again, I just I just don't know like how they ever come about. And they always happen. They, I don't. Know, maybe they don't know anymore. Like I I don't know. Do you think the kids now play in people's houses as much? Not around
2: here.
0: I'd hear them. I think that's it. Like I think there's probably way more. And I think about like you like you said. You know, you used to practice in your loft, and immediately think, fuck it, our neighbours must have gone mental. Like, and you know, John and I when we used to practice stuff around John's mum's garden shed, like. I'm pretty sure now you probably get shut down because of noise pollution rules and all of that shit. Like you'd imagine most neighbourhood, like yeah, forget it, mate. No, you're not doing that at ten o'clock on a Saturday.
1: I always think, man, we were pretty responsible with it. Like we'd never do it late or we'd never do it. Late like, day. Yeah, we'd right. Have our set times, then we'd do it. And you, I think sometimes you just got to live and let live. Do you know what I mean? You have got to live. You know.
0: I think on the flip side of it. For example, here if we're out in our garden or around the back or whatever, every day, weekend and Saturday, right, I know at two o'clock these pricks next door are going to start playing like corn covers
2: <laughs> and I just want to have a barbecue
0: and a gin and tonic. Do you know what I mean? Like, shut the fuck up. But I would definitely, I, I don't think I'd live and let live if that was every single weekend. Like, yeah. that's the thing. It's the boom, 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 boom.
2: Like. But then you've got to accept that you're now that guy. you If you go and complain, you've gone full cycle. You're, other, other alter, end of the, you're the other end of life at that point, yeah. man. Can't do it. Yeah,
0: Yeah no.
1: It's a, you said your family were musical. Was there always music on in the house when you were growing up? Like, what sort of bands were you growing up listening to? There
2: were some odd, odd choices. Like one record that just stands out for me that I still love to this day. i a chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> Is a. Uh, do you know The Exorcist, the film? Obviously, everyone does. kid on Mike Oldfield just on loop. Honestly, Mike Oldfield has like <laughs> has albums worth of stuff, and my dad loved it. What Tubular Bells. Yeah, but that that leads into like a lot of the stuff I do now. I don't like obvious, like the way that he builds composition is something that I take forwards with me all the time. If you're building a song, if you actually listen to tubular bells now, you can hear the bits where he's adding different elements and space between the instruments and stuff is really good for someone that's yeah. doing music production. So if you don't know instruments, just listen to that song once and you're like, oh, that weird sound there, that's a glockenspiel. Or, you know... Obviously, I don't like going to the studio and say, guys, just watch out. I'm going to just bonk the tubular bells for a bit, (laughs) you know. Do you know what this song's missing? Yeah, a massive tubular bell. (laughs) (laughs) Or some Hammond organ, (laughs) do you know what I mean? (laughs) It's not happening. (laughs) So let's
0: wrap this up then. So, Dan, if you had one piece of advice for a young Dan James short to... Mm. Look back on his formative years in overall effect, what would you tell him to do? Would you tell him to do it all again or would you tell him, mate, forget it, you shit?
2: I would say just fucking enjoy it, mate. Stop being a grumpy little prick. Like, I, I love you, young, young Dan James, but stop being such a grumpy bastard. I was having some of the best fun I've ever had and I didn't realise it. Again, it might be because I didn't have the kind of skill set and the mind I have now to be able to enjoy it, but just turning up to someone's house and smashing on the drums for a couple of hours yeah. No earplugs like a chump, yeah. you know, wear earplugs, young Dan, yeah. you <laughs> yeah. your bell. It's the best advice you can give anyone, to be honest. Yeah. I say whenever we do any gigs, even if someone comes down and pulls your pants off and you're st- stood on stage stark naked, most embarrassing moment of your life, nobody will remember in a week's time. It's like a minor gig, like, just get over it. You say it. no, remember, <laughs> but
0: I remember John fucking up his GCSE solo performance and in the middle of the, <laughs> the middle of it... He, his drums just kept moving away. So he's fucking. Oh, I away. hate that. And he went, shit!
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 happened? Happened. You really kept going ten, like yeah, this. Yeah, like, all right, well. All the way over it.
0: <laughs> and then at the end of it, well, it was fucking rubbish and just walked off stage. And he was like, right, next up is, uh, is Heather on the flute. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. dealt with
2: yeah. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> oh for fuck's sake
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, the, that, but that is the thing though isn't it everything in the moment to you when you're that age because you don't have the benefit of any experience or you've got no hindsight nothing yep. it, that is it you're just in that moment and you
2: can't not be and it could be the worst thing that's happened to you <laughs> Yeah. at that point in your life
1: Yeah. exactly you, you need that space and that experience to be able to think actually okay that's fine let's yeah. move on it's not that big a deal yeah great times Let's head over to Mind Naps the next. We're building a sick playlist for season two and have high hopes. Don't let us down, Dan. Tell us the tracks that transport you back to being in those halcyon band days. Where did you hear it? Who were you with? How did you get your grubby little hands on it?
2: I like the reference to my grubby little hands. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going with Fixation on the Darkness by Kill Switch Engage. I distinctly remember being sent this by a new band that wanted me to audition when I was a young gangly boy, and they told me to learn it. They just said, yeah, learn this one. And I thought, it's the first time I'd properly heard this genre. I'd never even known it existed. I heard the screaming, and most people kind of go when they're screaming, they're like, oh, what's that? I can't hear what they're saying. But I was just like, this speaks to me. I love it. And I put it on a little MP3 player, USB MP3 player. What was the USB MP3 player? Was it? Do you remember it? It was, a, I don't know what brand, but it was a little silver one, probably yeah. yay big, and you popped the end off and it had a USB that you could plug into the computer, Yeah. and it only had that song on it. And we drove to Cornwall for a family holiday, and I just plugged my headphones in and listened to it consecutively. Great, man. And I remember driving down, looking out the window, raining, you know, the standard like hand on the window, looking out like a Brian Adams music video, just <laughs> listening to Fixation on the Darkness. I knew that song inside out. Meanwhile, you, your dad's got tubular bells on car.
1: So come on, Dan, enjoy this. Yeah, you're sat there with your headphones on and he's got, yeah, amazing.
2: <laughs> get out of my room. <laughs> like, that's, so,
1: that's so funny that you say that. I just remember now back in my car when I was a kid going places and I would just be sat there with my CD Walkman listening to Placebo and Limp Bizkit. I don't know where I was yep when i first heard that when i first heard significant other i think it was 1999 was the track from that album someone was playing it to me and i was like whoa okay this this speaks to me i've been searching for my like what music do I, what music do i like what bands am i into and then i heard that i was like this is what i'm into and then this is my up, personality now I opened yeah. up that whole rabbit hole man incredible yeah.
2: that's awesome it's the same yeah. Same with Killswitch. I remember actually stressing, though, listening to that music and just being like, this is something I can't get my head around because what are these riffs? What does this mean? <laughs> what do the lyrics mean to me? Why is he, How is he making this noise with his voice? And how is the drummer doing it? Because it goes back to that conversation earlier. Like, I didn't know a double pedal existed yeah, at that yeah. point when I first heard Fixation on the Darkness. So I just thought, how am I going to play this with one foot? and then just stressing the whole trip, coming back, and then speaking to the guys, and they're like, what, have you not got double pedal? And I was, I was like, what, what do you mean a double pedal? And that's it. And then I thought, all oh, right, now it all <laughs> click, yeah. pop. Mate, that's a great track, and very much
0: an edge track as well, by the way. Just to throw that a little bit of nostalgia in as well. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the pod, man. I'm really, really happy that we invited you along and to have you, have you on. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have indeed been wicked yeah awesome man nice one thank you very much one final thing for me dan i just want to say a big thanks to you for writing the music for the podcast this season it's hugely up the quality of this podcast and really encapsulates the feeling of everything that i remember being in a band at the time those drop d guitars those dodgy vinyl scratches those thumping drums and that really live and raw limp biscuit feel so for anyone who's looking for some really good music production, especially in the Milton Keynes area, please give Dan studio a shout, Melon Wave. That is www.melonwave.co.uk and give him a shout on Instagram. He makes some really cool content on there as well. Far cooler than anything found on this Instagram page. In the meantime, thanks for listening to this podcast and we'll see you on the next one. Hey there, rockers. This is James Hetfield from Metallica, and you've been tuning in to the Back in the Band podcast. Thanks for riding the lightning with us. Remember, this isn't a one way conversation. Connect with us on Instagram. You can find us at Back in the Band Pod. Got something to say? Tweet us at Back in the Band. And of course, make sure to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss the riff. Until next time, keep rocking, stay tuned, and stay metal.